Why don't you lift both hands wherever you are? Father, thank you for this night that we have together. And thank you that as we preach your word, it's a guarantee that your spirit always comes behind your word and does what man couldn't do and medication couldn't do and counselors couldn't do in 35 years. You'll do it before we end the service tonight. Every bondage of the wicked, every enchantment of the devil against any life that's here, I thank you that it breaks off, never comes back. Thank you for revival. Thank you that Alaska and the United States of America are not going to go to the plan of the United Nations. Not yet. While the church is here, I thank you that we're an entity anointed to tell the devil enough's enough. So we put a stop to this heroin epidemic and broken homes and everything else. And in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the fire of God sweeping through our generation. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Give the Lord another great hand clap. You can be seated. I'm going to play a video for you in just a, a second, but before I do, uh, when I left here last year in May, we were getting ready in June to go to a city called Camden, New Jersey. If you've been coming all the days, and if you were here last year, I told you that miraculous story of how God opened up all the cities of America to us to do open-air, overseas-style crusades. And so what ended up happening was when we did that crusade in Vineland, New Jersey, the mayor and city, head of the city council in Camden, New Jersey heard about it and asked if we would come there. If you count cities that have less than 100,000 people, Camden, New Jersey is rated by the FBI uh, the last time they did their statistics in 2012 as the most violent city in the United States. And then obviously they got other problems too. They, I think they had 27 overdose deaths the weekend before our crusade started. That the cops were having to revive people two at a time. One officer revived two people at a time because they didn't, they didn't have enough people to respond. Paramedics taking them two at a time. And so that's demonic. And so anyway, that's why the Lord opened that up was for us to preach there. So this was when, uh, it was when I left here. This is when the crusades kind of started to go to another level. Because what, would, what had been happening was we'd have a big crowd opening night, like 3,000. And then people would find out, you know, that it wasn't some community gathering with a community preacher saying, you know, however you want to contact God, that's fine. We all are at different places. You know, we were preaching the gospel, so then it would go down the next night to like 1,500 or 2,000, and then we would slowly build from there. But one of my prayer points for the year was that from now on the Crusades, we'd have the big crowd on the opening night, and then it would grow from there. So this is the first one that God answered our prayer. But also, and uh, I don't care much for the devil, he's, a, he's essentially a non-issue. Uh, there's, only, there's only three enemies you have in the Christian life. One is death, and that's uh, already been taken care of by Christ. And so you, you lay down your body, but it'll get resurrected one day, and you go straight to heaven. So it's not a problem. The second enemy is, the Bible says, no, you're not. You have an enemy called the devil or Satan who goes about like a roaring lion. But Jesus, again, took care of him and put him under your feet. And then the third enemy is yourself, and that's really the one that you spe spend your time just making sure you keep your flesh under and your spirit charged, and then that, that's no problem. But anyway, I don't spend much time on the devil, but it was interesting to me that the Crusades hit a different level. We're starting in Camden, and then for the rest of the year, we would start to have witches come to our meeting, like in packs. And you know, you wouldn't even think, this is America. We're not holding the meeting like out in the rural India or uh, Central Africa. So you'd have these witches come out, and I didn't even know how they found out about the meeting. 
It's not like we advertise our meetings on witchesmeet.com or something like that. So uh, I, actually, I actually found out after the crusade was, was going, and you're going to see what happened, that this witch, whose name was Yazira, I guess everybody knew her, she went around and started to tear down all our flyers. And then she did a Facebook video saying that the event we were going to have was actually a thing to lure people to that field and do human trafficking. So people shared her video hundreds of times on Facebook, and it was going all around Camden to the point that the head of city council found out about it. So he called our group and said, I want to know what you people are doing because everybody in the city is saying that this is going to be human trafficking. And that's why you never have to worry about the devil. The devil ends up bound and thrown in, in hell. Everything the devil does is hardwired to fail. And everybody that hooks up with the devil is hardwired to fail. It doesn't matter what their plan is. The Bible, the, it's like that story I told you if you were here today. There was a Hamas terrorist from Palestine that strapped himself with an explosive belt and went to go into Israel and blow up a bunch of people. And before he could get in, IDF, the, their defense forces, shot him dead. So the other Hamas people picked him up and put him on a stretcher and paraded him through Palestine as a martyr and a hero, but they never took his belt off and it blew up and blew up all the other terrorists. So a lot of people don't like that, but I like that kind of stuff. That sounds like every Old Testament story that they taught me in Sunday school and had me glue pretzels on construction paper about. The, Bi the, Bible, says, the Bible says the wicked dig a pit for the righteous, but they fall into it instead. Bible talks about in Proverbs that somebody will go to take a stone and push it down on the righteous, but it'll roll over them instead. And so you don't even have to pray about what the devil's doing. In fact, God said, though your enemy attacks you from one direction, I'll make them run from you in seven. So what ended up happening was when the city council contacted our crusade director and we told him what we were doing, he actually endorsed it from city council, did a Facebook video from city council and urged all citizens of Camden, New Jersey to attend. That's not even legal. The mayor's not allowed to tell people to go to a Pentecostal meeting. But if they don't know it's illegal, I didn't tell them. Amen. So anyway, then, then, to make things even better, they find out, well, who's this woman that's causing all this problem? Well, they run her name and find out there's a warrant out for arrest. And she was in jail on, uh, by Tuesday of the crusade. Can you say Amen. And I can tell you if I was a compassionate Christian, like I should be, I would have posted bail and told her the Lord forgave her. But the Lord's still working on me, and I let her rot in there. Amen. <laughs> she can stay in there as long as she'd like. Anyway, when I, didn't even know, when I didn't even know all this was happening, when I didn't even know all this was happening, I got up to preach Sunday night, not knowing that there was a pack of witches in the back. And, you know, I went to take the mic and greet the crowd like I normally do, and this just shot out of my spirit. I said, I want, you, I want to welcome you to night one of Festival of Life. No matter who you are or where you came from, we're glad you're here. Then this came down. I mean, it surprised me. I said, even if you're a witch, I want you to know you're welcome. We actually left space at the back for you to park your brooms. And when I said that, when I said that, I wondered, well, what am I saying? You know, you don't, that's no way to greet a crowd. All the crowd laughed, and they knew those witches. They looked at the witches and laughed at them, and they all dropped their shoulders and sulked off the field. Can you say amen? amen. The, Lord, the Lord knows what's up. God knew who was there. And so anyway, you're going to see what happened, that obviously when the devil starts opposing something, he knows, he, he knows something big's going to happen that's going to mess him up. So what happened was on Monday night, this was right after the Charlottesville 
riot that took place after I left here where, you know, the devil was doing his best to pit every kind of race against each other. Well, here I am standing up there as a white preacher, one of the only white people in the whole meeting, and uh, is about 70% Hispanic. Most of the Hispanics were Mexican, some Dominican and Puerto Rican, and then the rest were about all black. And so I preached on how Jesus was the lamb that was slain for every tongue, every tribe, every nation, and every race, and told the crowd that this is why uh, the devil fights against Holy Ghost meetings. I said, because look at this meeting. I said, this meeting's more diverse than a McDonald's commercial. You have every, every possible race standing here right now. And I said, nobody's fighting each other. There's no problems. And so as I got ready to give my altar call and tell them, this is not about some community event. This is about your soul. And started to call them. I said, Jesus loves you. And you're going to see it on the video. I said, no matter who you are or no matter what the color of your, and when I got ready to say skin, all the power went out. Now the power was run by union electricians off of a city generator. Generators, as you know in Alaska, I don't need to give a class on generators in this state, I know that. But generators are reserve power. They don't go out. As long as you keep them full of gasoline, they don't fail. And so, and you know, it's not like we had the Royal Rangers doing it or volunteers. These were like certified electricians. So they told us later, we don't know why it went out. We had plenty of gas. There was no reason for it to go out. Obviously, it was demonic. But again, what the devil meant for bad, I was there preaching. The sound went out. The lights all went out. And instead of the crowd all scattering, I saw them like as one, 3,100, 3,200 people. Their eyes got big. And you could tell just like silently they thought, oh, shoot, this is real. The, the devil really doesn't want me to get saved. Right when this guy's telling me to receive Jesus, all the power goes out. And instead of leaving the field, they pressed in closer. And when they pressed in closer, you'll see what happened. I gave one of the largest altar calls I've ever given. I think maybe the fourth largest one I've ever given in my life with, with no microphone, no nothing. Which, of course, when you don't have a sound system, no one in heaven has any sympathy for you. Paul's up in heaven going, hey, I did that for 40 years, champ, so, you know, <laughs> not interested. And then, actually, when I was about halfway through, speaking with no microphone and no power, a Camden police officer ran up and handed me a riot control bullhorn to preach with, which he's also not allowed to do. But I, I thought that was powerful because, you know, I wasn't in Texas or Alaska or Oklahoma or someplace where they like church. I was in, you know, baby blue New Jersey, uh, liberal as can be, where, where they're, you know, they're not the most friendly to the church. And that cop ran to his car and ran back with a bullhorn and said, here, preacher, use this. And I used a police bullhorn to keep preaching. And then so this is when I made a change where I felt if, this, if the devil doesn't like this, then what I'm going to do, you know, most people who do crusade evangelism are Baptist. So when you, when you learn how to do a crusade, you model it after Baptist. And so you give an altar call, you have them all go to a tent or have the workers come up to the altar and get their information so you can get them plugged into the church and then say, well, as we go our separate ways, God bless you. But I thought I'm, I'm going to do something different. I said, uh, I'm going to have everybody go to the tent and fill out their cards, and the band will play while you do that. And then when you're done, bring everybody back out, and I'm going to lay hands on everybody that wants hands laid on them tonight. Well, you would think a bunch of, the way we do our crusades, it's about 90% of the people that are there or more are totally unchurched, totally unsafe. You would think if you said, I'm going to lay my hands on you, it's okay, I was with you, I, I was okay with hearing a Bible lesson, but I'm out of here. I will tell you, about 100% of the people stayed and then began to text their friends that were in the projects, quick come, he's almost to us in line. 
And I laid hands on over a thousand people that first night, and you're going to see the testimonies that we had overseas, like the kind of stuff you'd read in a Pentecostal journal in 1930 happened in Africa. We had happened there. A girl that heard multiple voices from the time she was five years old till the time she, till that night at 18 years old. They had to take her out of public school because she was disruptive to the school. Uh, they had gone to Kennedy Crisis Center, Mental Institute in Philadelphia, so much that they didn't even have to fill out the paperwork anymore. Police called at the house, and she said, as soon as you stood in front of me, the voices stopped. And you're going to see her mother smiling, saying, I never thought my daughter would smile like that again. Drug dealers saved. When they show that girl that's 27 years old with screws in her back, I just think, you know, I'm 37. You can see I'm healthy. You see what Pastor Daniel looks like. At 52, healthy, strong, standing straight up. Then you see these people that have been serving the devil. This girl's on a walker at 27 years old with screws in her back. That's the devil. But I think as soon as she came to Jesus, God not only saved her, the power of God hit her body. And you're going to see what happened. And she spent the whole next day going door to door telling people you need to come see this guy. And the meeting grew every night. Started with 3,100, closed with just under 4,000 people. And I'm telling you, we made a mockery of the devil in Camden, New Jersey. And we've been doing it ever since. And this year, we're going to bust his head even more. So when you watch this video, enjoy it. Enjoy it to the shame of the devil and to the glory of Jesus Christ. And see what God's doing in America. And he's going to do the same thing in Alaska tonight. Go ahead and roll it, my friends. festival is different than the next and volunteers and staff members usually remember them for one thing or another. Here in Camden we all agree that the spiritual opposition and victory were the greatest. One week before Festival of Life began, a Camden woman spread Facebook rumors that Festival of Life flyers were the work of human traffickers. Her post picked up traction. You we all know that ain't nothing free because if that's the case all of us working single mommies will be having our bills and stuff paid. So when y'all see stuff like this, please take it down. Festival of Life quickly got in front of the lie with truth trafficking. Our post was viewed 110,000 times and shared over 1,800 times. As a result, the festival received the endorsement of Camden City Council. Opening night, over 3,100 people That's the altar call. Anita Park, 591 received Jesus. I've never seen the Lord touch people like this on opening Joy. night. I want to find God. I want to know him more, and I want to be with him. I want him to be the person that I run to when I cry because it seems like I can't find it in nobody else. Every unclean thing in your blood, I tell you, you're not going to die, you're going to live. I have a blood disorder, yes. Every unclean thing in your blood is already gone. I believe it. I believe him. I believe him. When God touches you, it's only the beginning. It always gets better. My grandfather was a minister. I came from a background, but I took my Shahada to be Muslim like a year and a half ago, but I think I'm changing back over. Monday night at Festival of Life Camden was called Monday Miracle Night, and it lived up to its name. Jesus loves you. Jesus te ama. No matter who you are. No In the midst of a powerful sermon, the generator died. The lights went out, but the power turned on. 
With no microphone and standing in the dark, evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth led 717 people to the light. The lights eventually turned back on. That's when Miracle Monday began to manifest. She has beat me, told me horrible things. Like, it wasn't even a mother-daughter relationship. It was Cops had to get involved, Dyson's had to get involved. Like I said, she's been hospitalized multiple times. We're known at Kennedy Crisis. Katana is 13 years old and has been tormented by voices since she was five. They would haunt me like nightmares. I would see the most hideous thing. You don't understand how it's the first time that her face lit up and she's looking at him preach and her face just lit up. And she's so happy. She's like, Mommy, I see her worshiping. That one moment was a, it was a miracle. I felt it very proud of me. It was like I was entirely new. For the first time in 13 years, like almost 13 years, she tells me, Mommy, I don't hear the voices anymore. That's a miracle. We don't need more dead religion. No necesitamos más religión muerta. We need a new generation of Dominicans. Necesitamos una generación nueva de dominicanos. Mexicans. Mexicanos. Puerto Ricans. Puerto Ricanos. Black people. Morenos. White people. Blancos. That are filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. I can't explain it. I really can't explain it. I was, he just came to me, the pastor came to me, and he was just like, you're not going to have any more seizures. And I'm like, well, how does this man know about my seizures? I recently just had three seizures in one day. It was like, your God's gonna give you a new body. Destiny had seizures, metal screws in her back and neck, and constant depression. She even used a walker to get around. She returned to the festival the next day, walking freely, for the first time in years, pain-free. I prophesy in the name of Jesus. You ain't gonna die. You're gonna live. God's gonna use you. You're gonna preach the gospel. In Jesus' name. For some, healing comes in the laying on of hands. Others have faith so strong and simple that they are healed just by hearing the word. On Monday, he came, he was here, and when he was hearing the evangelist preach that to um, receive, put your, uh, lay your hands over the affected part, and because he was hearing the testimonies, and he said, hey, if those things happen um, to, to those people, why can't they happen to me? Monday in the morning, when he woke up and he didn't feel the pain, he just began to start moving it, started doing everything that he couldn't do before. So that... Oh, yeah, I called my daughter, my son, I called all my family. Wow. I said, wow, God is good. Alyssa Lennox was Sounds like Scarface's best friend. Evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth during a Facebook Live broadcast at Festival of Life in Allentown earlier in 2017. It's amazing that not being here in person but watching him live, I was Just watching the live stream. Doctors had Alyssa retested three times and couldn't find a single No trace cell. of cancer. Usually when you have that bad of result the first time, you're used to seeing cancer cells and they found Nothing, but they said, you know, just to be sure, we'll do another, you know,
you know, in my head, I'm like, you know, makes sense. I know why. Jesus Christ is still the great healer. Jesucristo sigue siendo el buen sanador. Jesus Christ is still the great. Looks like Alaska, two in the morning. When you call on him tonight, he will answer you. He will deliver you out of all your trouble. Many of the people seem to have a similar trouble depression, and a spirit of suicide. I actually wrote you I was going to commit suicide. And Can you pause it or no? When I came here Sunday, it stopped. You know, I used to... That lady that said I was going to commit suicide, when she told me, she tweeted me and said thank you. So I looked at her Twitter account. Her last tweet Sunday morning before the crusade started was I hope my family understands for what I'm about to do. And then before she committed suicide, she said I just felt to come to that field and... And then got, so when they say, you know, we say, how many got saved? People get their lives saved by Jesus Christ. Go ahead, you can roll it. I actually wrote you I was going to commit suicide. And when I came here Sunday, it stopped. You know, I used to be a cutter before. I used to actually cut myself. But just like Jesus said, he delivered them from all their trouble. About me coming here and hearing the word from Jonathan, Pastor Jonathan, he saved my life. I sleep through the night without screaming. Sleep through the night without screaming. People are like this week I slept all through the night. Because it only takes one person in a family. To say enough is enough. I'm going to live my life for God. I'm not going to sell out to the world. I prophesy tonight in the name of Jesus. Not only are you going to be saved, God's going to save your family. Each of the testimonies represent a family that no longer has to deal with the emotional, financial, physical, and spiritual struggle of their former burden. Camden families were changed, and it all started with meeting their physical needs. Festival of Life gave away a thousand grocery boxes, twenty thousand dollars in bill pays and prizes, and five hundred book bags for the kids to take back to school. It was so fun getting the backpack. I got supplies. Um, I have a book bag and it's like a tealish green and a pink zipper. It's more than a backpack. It's more than that. It's love. It's support. Is you feel the vibe here. Festival of Life came to Camden to save souls. And the love of God was so strong that it was a healing bomb. It was just beautiful to me to see everybody interacting under one God, no matter who, you know, what color their skin it was. All those differences were put to the side to come and worship God together. And my faith was restored. Total attendance for the week was 13,440 people. Twice they received personal prayer. 2,800 people gave their life to Jesus. That's it for Festival of Life here in Camden. We are now packing up and heading to West Virginia for Festival of Life. I'm Stephanie Esposito. Praise God. If you want to pay for one of those, it's 100000 If you want to pay for all three we're doing this year, it's 300000 I know half of you got that buried in your backyard. This is Alaska. So if the Lord would speak to you, I'd be happy to receive it. 
and knock the devil's teeth down his throat with it. Luke chapter 4, the Bible says in verse 1, then Jesus, full of the oh, I'll let you turn. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Luke 4, 1. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. Then the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, and there's the three temptations that he gave. Jesus responded with the scripture every time. Verse 13, when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. Verse 14, after Jesus concluded his 40 days of prayer and fasting. Then Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. So notice the difference. He was led by the spirit into the wilderness. Jesus remained an anonymous carpenter for 30 years. And when he went out and got anointed, watch what happens now. There was no need to send out flyers, and we send out flyers. There's no, there's no need to put billboards up. I put up billboards. But watch what happened just by the anointing. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, <coughs> filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Now, so you see, that's one of the things I prayed about. It takes an anointing to preach the gospel to the poor. You have bloods, crips, Latin kings. And everybody else on that field, the cops told me, that one of the cops told our crusade director, I think you guys are making a big mistake. I don't think you know what you're getting into. Well, if you came in there without the spirit of the Lord, they'd size you up in about a minute and a half and realize you were a weakling and you, they'd find you in a gutter somewhere and then they'd run off with all the prizes. But when you stand up in the anointing, people can tell when they're overmatched. And you see the look on the people's faces on the field. In fact, at that New Jersey meeting, you had all those people get saved from different gangs. And then I had one police officer from the Camden Force come up to me, and he was a, a big guy. He said, I, I'm a, can I talk to you? I said, sure. He said, I'm a Marine. He said, I've killed a lot of people, and I don't think I can go to heaven. He said, I've been listening to you preach every week, but I've killed people. I said, well, don't worry about it. If, if you can't go to heaven because you've killed people, and I just, I said, Abraham's not in heaven. I ran through like, you know, 90 Bible characters that, that would be in hell. When I got to about the 30th one, he started smiling. He said, oh, I said, God will forgive anything. And he said, would you pray with me? Grabbed my hand. He was trying his best not to cry. I, did you notice how many of those people have a story? You know, you see that one girl that said, I took my shahada to become a Muslim with the lip piercing, and she came there with her live-in girlfriend. So she was into Islam as a lesbian and into drugs. So, you know, even, people are confused. Even in Islam, you're not going to heaven. And what did she say? She said, my grandfather was a Pentecostal minister. You wonder how many people. I mean, you wonder how many strippers in Alaska grew up in, a, in an Assemblies of God church or something. Or backslidden, whatever. America, this is one of the reasons we moved strong last year and are moving stronger this year. America has about a five-year window before it turns into England where you have people that don't know anything about God. But I've been amazed 
When we do those crusades, I'll have my cousin sing Amazing Grace. And you'll watch women in full burkas lift both hands and start to sing Amazing Grace. Why? They grew up in church, and then Islam came into the inner city, and now they've joined that. But there's still a godly seed in most Americans. You're going to have a hard time finding anybody in this country that hasn't watched Joel Osteen or have some background where their grandma prayed for them. And so we have a window of opportunity to water that seed with the gospel of Jesus Christ and pull them back from destruction. That's what God's been doing this week. That's what God's going to keep doing. The devil's going to have the worst year he's ever had in Alaska, and God is going to shake America one more time with his mighty power. If you believe that, take 10 seconds, clap your hands, and give God a mighty, mighty shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I had two Jehovah's Witnesses come to my, my parents' house back when I lived at home before I was married. I was just out of Bible college, probably about 23. And uh, my grandma answered the door. Obviously, I didn't know who, who was ringing the doorbell. I was just uh, concentrating on building my Madden 2003 uh, 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 career team. So anyway, my grandma answered the door, and these Jehovah's Witnesses start working her over. And I, all I heard was, in a, in a 70-year-old voice, Jonathan, help. And so I came over. And these two ladies are standing there, and they, they, they say, uh, you know, we're Jehovah's Witnesses. I said, oh, that, that's great. They said, well, you know, we, we both believe the Bible. We believe the same thing. And so I started questioning them on what they believe, because obviously I know we don't believe the same thing, because they never have me preach. <laughs> well, we believe the same thing. Great. Why don't you have me in for a week of meetings? That ain't going to happen. So... We got to the subject of hell, and they said, we don't, we don't believe in, in hell. No, Smith Wigglesworth says, no cult believes in hell, and, uh, and no cult will confess that Jesus Christ was, was, uh, is co-equal with God and born, born of a virgin. And so they said, we don't believe in hell. And I said, well, there's no way to not believe that. And I, they had their Bible. I said, turn your Bible to Luke 16 and read that. So she read it. She got about halfway through the story. Well, I said, no, read the whole thing. You told me the way we interpret is Scripture interprets Scripture. And she read that whole story about hell. And so when, anyway, I'm bringing this up because when she got done, the lady asked the other lady a question. She said, well, yeah, how do you explain that? <laughs> so then the older lady said, let's go. As soon as she said, let's go, I had a word of knowledge. And I don't know whether this is true or not, but at least I, I knew it was true in that case. I knew they had matched up an older Jehovah's Witness with a new Jehovah's Witness. And had them go witness together. And I knew the older one was far gone. But I knew that young one was recently there. And so I said, she said, let's go. I said, hey, is she your slave master? I said, she didn't tell you when to go. I said, she doesn't believe me. But you know I'm right. And she was like this. I said, she's been going to that place for a long time. And you just started going. But you used to go to church. Now, the lady's like grabbing her arm. I said, let go of her arm. You're on my property. You came to my house. You know, I, wa I wasn't riding my 12-speed going after you. Amen. So now that you've made me pause my video game, you're going to do what I say. And I, 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 that, that girl was agreeing with what I was saying. She finally got her to go. Let's go. Kept saying, let's go. I ended up getting a call from her supervisor or whoever. It was the regional head of the Jehovah's Witness that he, wa he wanted me to come to the place 
to sit down and talk with that girl and him so he could like set me straight. And I went, you, the little you've seen of me, no one's setting me straight. People have been trying for years. I've been getting paddled since I was four years old to stop laughing in church, and I'm still laughing in church. And now by the anointing, I'm getting other people to laugh in church. Can you say amen? Everybody say the anointing. See, then stand there and debate with them, go right into the realm of the spirit, and the anointing will always set you ahead of natural limitation. Can you say amen? The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. So there's an anointing to tell somebody that's bound, like that lady. I can sleep through the night without screaming. That's demonic. You know, all those people that that we talked about, or that were in those videos. Do you know they were all on a lot of medication? Kennedy Crisis Center isn't some local clinic in the backwoods. That's one of the top treatment facilities if you're having mental problems in all the country. That girl had been coming there since she was a little girl, was now a a woman, 18 years old, and all they do is just keep doping people up, nine medications. There's a lot of money to be made off your sickness. Even that that lady with cancer, once they found she was cancer-free, kept wanting to run more tests. Of course they do it. Eight grand to pop, 13 grand to pop. It's a big business to get America enslaved in mental problems and health problems. But Jesus didn't come to enslave you. Jesus came that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. Somebody say the anointing. Bible says, if you would put Isaiah 10, 27 up. Isaiah 10, 27 says, it's the anointing that lifts the heavy burden and the anointing that destroys the yoke. And so what is the anointing? The anointing is the tangible power of the Holy Spirit resting on an individual. There's an old Pentecostal book, theological book. I just like the title. The title's even anointed. It's called the anointing within and the anointing upon. Jesus used two terms about the Holy Spirit. Everybody say infilling. Then everybody say baptism. When they baptize you in water and you come up out of the water, you don't have to tell anyone you've been baptized. You look baptized. It's not in you, it's on you. And so the Bible doesn't just teach, hallelujah, the Bible doesn't just teach that there's an infilling of the Holy Spirit. The Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit, like water, will dwell on a person's body. And you can tell when somebody's anointed. I mean, anybody can tell I'm anointed right now. Those Mormons, when I left here last year, and we were having revival down in Jacksonville, and a whole bunch of Mormons were sitting in the back. You start stirring stuff up when you have revival. There there were five Mormons sitting in the back. You say, how can you tell? Because they all wear white short sleeve shirts and black ties. So I knew there was either a ska band from 1998, or they were Mormons. Nobody under 35 knows what I'm talking about, but... 35 to 45 knows what I'm talking about. Right when I just started preaching like this, and the Spirit of God came in like this, all five of them got up, and the leader motioned to them, let's go. I said, hey, the Mormons are here. And they stopped. I said, hey, stick around. We're just getting started. We left. They left. They thought they were going to come hear some lesson, 
and take notes about doctrinal differences, but they found out that we don't just carry a message. We carry a person called the Holy Ghost. And when he's in you, he gets on you. And when you start speaking about him, his presence fills the room. And when his presence fills the room, it lifts every heavy burden and destroys every yoke of bondage. I'm, I, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you something that attracted me to Christianity. I got attracted to Christianity. Obviously, I grew up in a Christian home. But when I started to study different religions and you know differences of opinion that people have, I found it interesting that if a Jehovah's Witness comes to your house, they are instructed that if a person starts speaking in tongues, run. Mormons, Mormons are instructed. If people start speaking in tongues, run. Did you know if you read the Bible, it never says. Now, if there's this certain kind of demon, then you need to run. No. Isn't it interesting that every other religion, witchcraft, Satanism, they're all instructed. In fact, Bishop David Oyedepo, that pastors the largest church in the world, he, one of the main witches in Ota, Nigeria, that was there before they planted the church. She talked about how they need human blood to do what they do. They'll cause auto accidents, put curses on people to kill them. He said, how come when I drive down this road, you've never made me die? She said, like, without missing a beat. She said, when we sense a power that's higher than the power we carry, we clear out of the way. My brother and sister, that higher power is the Holy Spirit. And when he lives in you, every devil knows it's overmatched and has to clear it, sorry, behind, right out of the way. I prophesy in the name of Jesus, you're not leaving bound. You're leaving free from every oppression of the devil, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. If you believe that with me, make an Alaskan noise that lets the devil know he lost you for good. Hallelujah. Somebody say the Holy Ghost. You want to know what else happened in that meeting in Jacksonville? After those Mormons cleared out, I was reading Acts chapter 2. And then I have, you know, Acts chapter 2, 1 to 4 are like commonly known. And then verse 17 is where Peter starts his sermon. So the way I always preached it, I would kind of just fly over verses 5 to 16. I'd read the part where the Holy Ghost came and they all got filled with the Spirit and then get to his sermon. So I was just flying over those other verses. And when I got to verse 6, Acts 2, 6, and it said, Everyone came running to hear the loud noise. It was almost like those words just came up off the page. And so I've never had that happen before. I don't know what, what you do when you see words come up off a page. So I just figured I'll read it again. So I read it again. Everyone came running to hear the loud noise. Then it just stayed like that. So I read it again. Everyone came running to hear the loud noise. And when I said it the third time, I knew in my spirit what the Lord wanted said. I said, you know, we advertise on Facebook. We send out flyers, advertise every way we can, and we should. I said, but in the early church, the Holy Spirit did a work where he would gather people in to be saved. I said, angels set up the meeting when Peter preached. An angel set up that meeting for Peter to preach in Cornelius. Then I prophesied. I said, God's going to begin by angels. I said, angels can't preach the gospel. 
but angels can gather people in so that they can hear the gospel. I said, that's going to begin to happen. And I said, let's all lift our hands and begin to pray that angels will go out into Jacksonville right now and bring people in. So we did that for 60 seconds. Then I went back to preaching like I was preaching. So I gave the altar call that night. When I gave the altar call, only one lady came forward. When she came forward, it was a black lady with short hair, camouflage shirt, and a gold chain. She was crying her eyes out. She said, you're never going to believe what happened. She said, I was driving down Hodges Boulevard, which is where the church was. And she said, I didn't even know there was a church here. And all of a sudden, my engine started smoking, and my car quit. She said, I had just enough momentum to go into the, the, the church parking lot. I went into the lobby and asked one of the ushers, can you, can you help me? My phone's dead. Can you help me call a mechanic? He said, I'll help you. But the guy had enough sense to say, while I'm helping you, I'll go get, get a phone and stuff. Just sit in the back for a little bit. She sat in the back, and she said, when I sat there, I was just sitting there waiting for him to come back with the phone. And she said, all of a sudden, it was like something came over me. And I realized... <laughs> I was going to hell, and I need to get saved. And she said, that's why I'm here. Well, listen, when she said that, the whole church erupted because she didn't even know what she was saying. That when we prayed that, for, she wasn't in the building in the beginning. When we prayed angels, go out and get people that need to be saved and bring them in. So, some roughneck, uncultured angel went and slapped her vehicle, knocked the engine out, and she pulled right into the church and gave her life to Jesus Christ. Let me, hey. Let me tell you something in Alaska. Let me tell you something tonight. Don't get around these preachers that are always talking about how great the devil is, how wicked the generation is. Jesus said wickedness will abound. But in the midst of that wickedness, I have a plan to baptize my church anew and afresh with the Holy Ghost and power, and I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. <laughs> the devil is defeated. Jesus Christ is king of kings and lord of lords. I, had, I have an MP3 that I carry in my vehicle of a bunch of Brother Hagen's meetings from 1965 through 2003. And some of, uh, some of the other guys are on there, John Osteen. When John Osteen, I have a message from him in the 80s. Where you know, you know Joel Osteen, that building they're in where they bought the, where the Rockets played basketball. I, I have the message where John Osteen announced that he felt that to, to go buy that building. You know, they only had a couple thousand people at the time. And there were other faith preachers saying, you're making a mistake. That place will seat 18,000. You, you never feel that. I mean, that's ridiculous. That You can't do that. And so I heard him talking about saying, I know people think this is ridiculous, but the Lord spoke to me that we're going to move in there and that God's going to fill it with souls. And now you see his son in there. And they pack it two or three times every Sunday. You know, I, I prophesy, I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you this is fact. Every person that says they'll never build that church, King's Chapel, what they buy all that land for, I'm going to tell you something. Not only will God shut their mouth and that building will go up supernaturally quick, but the day will come where people will say, Pastor, why did we build so small? God is going to send in people from all over Alaska to get baptized in the Holy Ghost and delivered. And the devil is going to get his rear end thrown out of this joint in the name of Jesus Christ. If you believe that, take 30 seconds, put those hands together, and give a shout of victory under the Most High God.
Somebody say God's on the move. The Spirit of the Lord. Now, why do you need the anointing? Because the anointing is the only thing that can lift the heavy burden and destroy the yoke. Professionals tried to help that girl not hear voices for 13 years. They never got it to stop one time. And one skinny guy that barely got a bachelor's degree. But I have the anointing. She didn't say, when you prayed for me, the voices stopped. She said, when you stood in front of me, the voices shut up. When they sense a power that's higher than them, they clear out of the way. My brother and sister, we don't just know somebody who has power. Jesus said, it's better for you if I go than if I stay. For if I stay, I cannot send another. He is the Holy Spirit who is with you now, but later will be in you. And when he comes on the inside of you, the same work, the same work, the same work that you see me do, you shall do. Everybody say, I shall do. You shall do and greater. For I go to the Father on your behalf. Yes, ask anything you want to and I will do it that your joy may be full. Man, I got video evidence. I asked the Lord, Lord, let me have as many people you say. You said I can ask anything and you'll do it. Give me as many people saved in one night as it takes me three months traveling around to get. Lord said, no problem. Open those things up. 580 saved one night. 717 the next night. I used to have to travel for nine months to get that many people saved. Year and a half. But God is a God of acceleration. And he said, he he said, he said, ask me for rain in the time of the latter rain and I will cause bright clouds to pour over you. The second half of this year will not be a repeat of the first half of this year. God is going to cause the rain of heaven to pour down on what he's called you to do. Hallelujah. You had some religious knucklehead watching. It sounds like just a bunch of noise to me. Well, just a bunch of noise doesn't knock stage two cancer out of a lady's ovaries. You heard her testify. It wasn't that the cancer was gone that made them keep running tests. Somebody can have cancer disappear. But there, she said there has to be dead cells. And there were no dead cells. You saw those street people and people from the projects that didn't even believe in God when the week started. Talking about how now I can walk. My, see, I stopped at that one lady with the massive earrings. You know, you can't ask, you can't ask 1,200 people, what would you like prayer for? What can I pray for you about? I, you saw I was just going down, praying for everybody, but every once in a while, the Lord would stop me. And I stopped at that lady. I could feel the presence of the devil. And when I went to cast it out, before I cast it out, I said, you'll never have it. Mark 9 came to me. The boy that suffers from seizures. And the father said, an evil spirit afflicts him, makes him fall into the fire and water. Please help us. That's what I felt. So I said, you'll never have another seizure. And you heard, she said, how'd that guy know that I had seizures? I just had three the other day. And you saw when I laid hands on her. That lady didn't know anything about falling under the power. She'd never been to a church meeting in her life. She still wasn't in a church meeting. She was just in a park to trying to win a prize or whatever. And when I laid hands on her, you saw she didn't fall out like a charismatic chick for a catcher and go back. She didn't fall back gradually. She shot out, backed up, backpedaled and went out. When she came to, people had to explain to her why she was laying in a muddy field. She said, how did I get here? She was battling, crippled, seizures. But when the devils came out, she could walk without the walker. Her spine felt good and the seizures were gone. 
I want you to lift your hands all over this place. Every problem that you've been trying to get the victory over, that no matter what you do, it won't leave. You can't get the victory over it. The battles of life are not physical. The battles of life are spiritual. That's why we've called these meetings, so you can come into the presence of God. And where you are weak, God will give you his supernatural strength, and you leave here tonight with the victory in the name of Jesus Christ. Say it so the devil can hear you. Say, I have the victory. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Everybody say the anointing. There's a man who's in heaven. You'll get to meet him if you live like I've been telling you to live. His name's T.L. Osborne. He went to heaven the day before Valentine's Day, I believe, 2013, 2014. One of the greatest missionary evangelists there ever was. Did you know when he got out of Bible school with his wife, Daisy, they felt called to India. And when they went to India, they stayed there two years. They never got one person saved in two years. They felt, he felt when he got out of Bible college, I'm going to hire an interpreter and just stand up on a stage and preach and get people saved. And the people from that denomination talked him out of it. No, that's culturally insensitive. You need to go there, study the culture, become like them, you know, meet people one-on-one. And he let them talk him out of it. So he did things that way. They never got one person saved in two years. He said, we returned to America frustrated, felt like failures. You know, people say, how'd your mission trip go? How many people did you get saved? None. None this month? No. None in two years. And so he said, while we came out on furlough, beaten down, defeated, and dejected, We took a church in Oregon just to preach, you know, even though he's called to be a missionary. Failed, now he's just doing plan B. And his wife Daisy said, my husband said, I'm going on a fast. She said, how long are you going on a fast for? He said, till I get my answer. And she said, basically for seven months, he was on a fast. He'd break it every once in a while just so he didn't die. Eat every once in a while, but mostly he would just fast. He'd preach on Sunday and then go into the room and pray a few hours a day and say basically one prayer request. Jesus, tell me, you called me on foreign fields and I failed. Tell me the answer to go to those places and reach. He would call Mohammedans, we, we call Muslims now, to reach Muslims, to reach Hindus, to reach Buddhists with the gospel. Tell me the answer. And he, she said, when she tells the testimony, she said, we came out of the room in month seven and I used to ask him every day when he quit praying, TL, did you get your answer? She said, when he walked out of the room this day, I didn't have to ask him. His face looked different. She said, you got your answer. He said, I did. He said, as I was praying, Jesus walked into the room. And he said, when I saw the Lord, I said, I said Jesus. He said, he looked so beautiful. He had such a kind smile on his face. And, he, and Jesus, he said, the first thing I noticed was Jesus didn't have any hands. And Jesus didn't have any feet, which obviously it's a vision. And he said, I said, Jesus. Where are your hands? Where are your feet? And he said, he smiled at me and said, T.L., you are my hands. When you lay your hands on people, I will be laying my hands on them. And he said, where are your feet? He said, T.L., you are my feet. I'm not going to go. You must go. But wherever you put your feet, you'll be on land that I've given you. And he talked to me for a little more and then left. And he said, I realized the thing to do now is to preach and declare to them who Jesus is and that Jesus will heal the people as we preach. So they, they book a ticket again to go to Jamaica. They go to Jamaica, took all their money out of their account, 
put up a tent, you know, no, no participating pastors, nothing, just a tent, stage, start with a small crowd. So they end up bringing 62, 66 students from the Jamaican government deaf school. And so they line, he gives the prayer line the first night. 66 students, he goes down the line. 62, he prayed till 2.30 in the morning. You know, because he didn't just pray, be healed. He went, commanded the ears to come open, had their mute tongues, taught them words, went to the next one. 62 of the 66 deaf school students were healed that night, and the other four got healed the next night. The Jamaican government had to close down the deaf school, and all the teachers lost their jobs. Did you, listen, did you ever wonder how Pentecost, I mean, think about it. I brought up the Jehovah's Witnesses. Did you ever wonder? Jehovah's Witnesses started, I'm from Pittsburgh, that's where they started. They started about the same time as uh, the Pentecostal movement when it hit Nazusa Street. How come one has gone to 3 million in 100 years and the other one has gone to 800 million? In fact, I could show you a study that I have saved on my phone that a, a Harvard theologian was writing a paper on how Christianity is dead and dying and the world will be secular by the year 2050, totally secular, with, with no religion whatsoever. And then he said, I discovered the Pentecostal movement, and I've changed my findings to say that secularism will actually be gone by the year 2050 and that the Pentecostals will soon be over 1 billion worldwide. Did you ever wonder? Did you ever wonder? Did you ever wonder why it spread like that? Not by human plan. Not by a bunch of people in navy blue blazers from J.C. Penney sitting around a table coming up with a plan about how to reach the world. But people getting anointed with the Holy Ghost in fire, going where the Lord sent them to go, and shaking that place with the power of God. If you believe that with me, and you know that's the answer for America again, let God hear that you're interested tonight. Clap your hands and give God a mighty, mighty shout. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. You know, there's nations in Africa that were closed to the gospel. They wouldn't let preachers in. And TL and Dave, I'm talking about simple people from Oklahoma, just went over to these nations, no permission from anybody, and opened the place up. One time Daisy Osborne was praying, and the Lord spoke to her to go meet with the Ugandan dictator, who I think it was Idi Amin. I mean, like, you're talking like a bad dude. And so she walks in as a woman. Like Esther, fasted and prayed and just went in with no appointment. I mean, he was taking people's heads off, burning them, you know, because he liked the smell. Full of the devil. Communist dictatorship, no churches in the whole nation. She goes in and does what the Lord tells her to do. She walks up to him. He just stands there. And when she gets to him, she gets on her knees, puts her hands on, on his feet, and begins to pray over him. Father, let him know that you love him. Let him feel your love and starts crying as she's praying. And then she feels hot water dripping on her head. And when she looks up, Idi Amin has his hands lifted, crying as he's feeling the anointing course through him. She then, when she finishes, he says, lady, tell me why you came here. She said in her sweet little Oklahoma voice, my husband T.L. and I felt the Lord speak to us to come to this nation and tell the Ugandan people how much Jesus loves them. He said, not only can you come, 
I'm going to put it on state television, give you the biggest stadium, and I'm going to make it mandatory for people to attend. That's the thing when you get a dictator saved. They can make it mandatory for no one to hear preaching. Then they can make it mandatory for everybody to hear preaching. T.L. goes to the field, begins to preach, and the devil does his last-ditch attempt. Now, you, you know, you got to remember, when you go to a place where there's never been the gospel and people worship idols with blood, I, there's nothing to limit demonic manifestation. So it's like at a different level. T.L.'s preaching. And if you ever heard him preach, he was like the gentlest preacher. He, didn't, he wasn't like rough like me. He was, sometimes he'd just have a manuscript and read out of it what the Lord put on his heart that afternoon. So he's up there reading out of his manuscript. And as Jesus went to Galilee, he opened the eyes of the blind, reading like that. And a witch doctor that everybody knew, like the main one, from the back of the crowd, you're talking about like a couple hundred thousand people there, from the back of the crowd, levitated into the air, about 20 feet over the crowd, they say, and started to float towards the front. They don't teach you what to do about that at Bible college. <laughs> so he said, I looked up from my notes, saw this man floating towards me. It wasn't like he was floating towards him to give him a hug. He was going to put on a show about the power of the devil and take T.L. out. T.L. said, as I looked up and saw that, as soon as I saw him, I felt the Lord speak to me. Just do what I told you to do and keep preaching, and I'll take care of him. And so that man kept floating closer. The crowd's watching what's going to happen. And when he gets over the altar area, the man violently, they say, crashed about from 20 feet in the air down to the ground, un totally unresponsive. And the crowd saw that and realized that a greater power had now flooded Uganda. Can you say amen? I'm going to tell you, God's going to do things this year that will let every unbeliever, every atheist know that a higher power has invaded Alaska. That power is the Holy Ghost, and he's here today to touch you. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. They went to Kenya. I mean, I can tell you these stories all night. I've read them. I've met the people. This girl came. This lady came, never heard the gospel before. Then when they gave prayer, she came forward and said to Daisy, T.L.'s wife, my son is blind. Will you pray for him? Well, they had had lots of blind people healed. I told you a couple nights ago that they had so many crippled people healed at one of their crusades, they took the wheelchairs off the field in pickup trucks, multiple trucks, you would just see people passing wheelchairs over top of, uh, of their heads like bodies at, at a concert. So this lady comes up, my son's blind, will you pray for him? Daisy said, no problem. But when she went to pray for him, she looked, he had no eyeballs that had formed in his sockets. However, the birth defect one, he didn't even have eyes. And so Daisy prayed, Father, I pray that you put eyes in this boy's head, eyes that can see, prayed a simple prayer. When she got done praying, there weren't full eyes, but there were visible, white like little bean sprout things, like a, a ball and then like the little like bean sprout veins. And so she told the mother, see, God's already starting. Like Elijah, prayed for it to rain. Go check. There wasn't a cloud in the sky. Elijah never prayed a second time. He said, check again. Guys, okay, uh, still no clouds. Check again. The last job you want is the assistant of a prophet. <laughs> check again. Uh, still blue. You have to have confidence in God. I said, you have to have confidence in God. She didn't say, well, didn't, no. She said, look, it's already begun. Now on your walk home, just begin to thank God that he's doing it right now. Keep giving him praise, and God will continue the work. 
So the lady did what she was told, walked back to her village, thanking God, thank you for touching my boy Simeon, got home, put him to bed. When she put him to bed and he woke up, he had two full white eyes with the pupil and iris and made contact with his mom and smiled. Over a thousand people came to the village to see that boy that was a freak, that they knew that lady was cursed. You know how they believe she was cursed, must have done something, must have been a witch, and her son was born without eyes. And now they all came to see that that boy had eyes and could see. And a thousand people from one miracle gave their life to Jesus Christ in that village. I'm going to tell you something. The devil, the devil has done his best to hijack this full gospel movement. They have meetings now. If you want to start a church, you, basically you don't even need to be saved. They tell you to do this, this, and this. We can guarantee you'll have this percentage of the city show up. You'll get, retain about half of them and then build from there. But this is not an organization. This is not a nonprofit. This is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that is tasked to get the power of God to a hurting generation. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. I'll tell you one more and I'll leave you alone. I went to Barbados to preach. I don't know if I told you this when I was here last year or not, but it'd be worth hearing again. Anytime, you know, if you, if you have a brain, you realize that outside of Israel, no, no nation was ever Christian from the beginning. You know, the, the early church started in Jerusalem. But you think about like Christian nations, they had, somebody had to go there and drive out pagan religions, old belief systems, and win the people to Christ. So anytime I go to a nation like Barbados, you go there, if you stay at a resort, on Sunday they have a gospel brunch. I mean, I'm talking like at, an, at a secular resort. So like whether you want to hear it or not, you're just forced to listen to gospel music on Sunday. That's how Christian it is. So I get invited to, to preach there, and I ask the old pastor's wife, uh, Miles Holmes, Brother Holmes, or no, Holmes Williams, Holmes Williams went to heaven. He invited me to come preach and then went to heaven before I got there. You know, lived a long time. They called him the Billy Graham of the Caribbean. And so he was gone, but his wife was there. And so when I saw how big their church was, I said, Sister, Sister Williams, you got 1,500 people at your church. There's barely anybody on this island. I said, how did this, so many people come to your church? She said, I'll tell you. An evangelist named Morris Cirillo came here in the 1960s, and he set up a stage to preach in Queens Park. And then he was preaching on how Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. She said there was a beggar there that everyone knew because he would beg at the hospital. And everybody has to go to the hospital. Even if you're not sick, your wife give birth, whatever. So everybody knew this guy because there was only one hospital on the island, and he was there. He not only was crippled, he had one leg that was fully formed and another leg that was half formed, only formed to where the knee of the other one was, and a little deformed flipper foot with no bones. Just hung like this. So Morris Cirillo got to one part in his message and said, bring that guy up here. They brought him up. He said, bring me a chair. They put a chair. So he stood with his good leg, and they put the deformed leg on the chair so he could stand. Morris Cirillo said, now if the things I preached are, true, are false, I'm going to pray for this man, and nothing will happen. But if the things I preached are true, I'm going to pray for this man, and you're going to see God make him walk. You might have gone a little far with this one. She said, even I, you're going to embarrass us. And he said, all he did was say, in the name of Jesus, and took the chair and yanked it out from under him. She said, when he yanked the chair out from under him, 
We thought we just wait. Every, the whole crowd gasped because they thought, you know, you're like abusing a deformed person. Yank the chair out, and they're going to fall down. But she said when he yanked the chair out, we all watched. It was like a leg dropped out of his pants, and the foot shot out. She said he started jumping up and down, and everyone on the field that was in a wheelchair just stood up. They thought, well, if that happens, I'm not sitting here anymore. I'm going to tell you, CNN has a good time, NBC has a good time, ignoring everything God does. Tell me where there's more people gathered than this in Wasilla right now, or Anchorage. You won't see anything about it on the news. There could be nine crazy ladies at a cat fashion show. They'll put that on the news. They'll ignore all this. But you know what? When I was here last year, I told you, we bought Channel 269 on Dish Network. One of the guys that's, you know, we own it. One of the owners just bought 275 more individual stations. Amazon's getting ready to come out with a television network. They asked us to be on it. I found out they sell those cameras to anybody. You know what else I found out? Who needs CNN? They're behind Nick at Night in nightly ratings. People would rather watch cartoons than listen to those people lie to them. The American people aren't as dumb as the elites thought they were. And I'm telling you, in this last great move of God, those videos that you watch tonight, we're going to film this last great move of God, put it on every channel, and remind this new generation, the earth doesn't belong to the devil. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all the inhabitants that dwell therein. If you're with me, let God know he's got an army in Alaska. Stand on your feet. Clap your hands and give God a mighty shout of praise. Go ahead. Take 30 seconds. Remind the devil. It's over. It's over. It's already over. Stay on your feet. The battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. Stay on your feet. I I was preaching in Washington, D.C., And they had a preacher go before me. It was right after they legalized gay marriage. This guy got up and preached. You'd have thought God died. The way he preached. Oh, I can't believe how wicked this nation's grown. People don't pray anymore. People don't fast anymore. People don't care about the Bible. Well, listen. If the nine Supreme Court justices were sitting there, then preach away. But I don't like when people beat. You know, I hate sitting in a meeting and say, how many of you know we don't pray anymore? Speak for yourself, Jack. I mean, the American church doesn't fast anymore. I didn't get this skinny by not fasting. I look like a prisoner of war in a suit. Don't group me in. I mean, if you know, we don't love God like we should. Speak for yourself. I love God from the time I was a boy, and I love him more as a man than I did as a boy. I love Jesus. I pray. I believe God. I pray in the Holy Ghost. I'm not waiting for revival. I'm carrying revival. You're going to get filled with the fire of God and carry revival all through Alaska in the name of Jesus Christ.
Somebody shout yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So th this guy closes his depressed sermon. We're, I want you to know, America, we're in the fourth quarter of a game. We're down by two touchdowns, and it's time to see who's ready to rally and win the game. He leaves. It's dead quiet. So it feels like a funeral. I was next. He was standing right there. I didn't care. You ticked me off enough. I, just, I don't care. I, I said, I, as soon as they gave me the mic, I said, I want to tell you people something. There is a lot wrong with America. But the 2,200 people that fought Washington, D.C. traffic to be in a gospel meeting on a Tuesday night, they're not what's wrong with America. They're what's right with America. Then I just said this. I said, I don't know what God that guy serves. But my God's not down by two touchdowns in the fourth quarter of a game. I said 2,000 years ago, my God kicked the devil's tail on the cross of Jesus Christ. He won the trophy. He gave that trophy to us. I'm not trying to get the victory. I have the victory. You'd be amazed. You'd be amazed what would start happening. If you quit saying, Pastor, I need prayer, and start lifting your hands and saying, Thank you, Jesus. I have the victory. You gave me the anointing. I will be anointed with fresh oil. You listen to me tonight. Everybody, the same thing God did in Camden. Every person who came in here struggling with heroin addiction, struggling with cocaine addiction, struggling with meth or pills or some kind of crippling depression, cancer, I don't care what it is, it all came from hell. I curse it tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. Every foul oppression of the devil drops off your life now in the name of Jesus Christ. If you believe it, shout I receive it. Lift both hands. It is the anointing, Isaiah 10, 27, that lifts the heavy burden and destroys the yoke of bondage. So two things. Everybody that came in here carrying a heavy load, your marriage, your, what, your kids, whatever, the devil put a heavy load on you. As the anointing's on you right now, you've already felt it lift. You can't sit in an atmosphere like this and remain heavy. The anointing by itself lifts the heavy burden. And everybody that came in here under a yoke, you know the right thing to do, but you don't have the power to do it. Satan put a yoke around you. That yoke, God doesn't help you with the yoke. God doesn't hold your hand while you stay yoked. God puts his anointing on you, and the anointing breaks that yoke off your neck, and he who the sun sets free is free indeed. This lady with the blonde, blonde hair, glasses, step right onto the aisle. Come, come to the, close to the altar. Lift both your hands right there. I'll tell you, your heavy load's gone already. The yoke's already broken. I'll give you a good word from the Lord. The Lord says, you've done well. You fought. You didn't succumb to what the devil wanted you to do. But now God's going to give you his power. It's going to refresh you. All the toll it took on you trying to get out. Of where the enemy had you, God's going to refresh you. And then God's going to give you power. Power over the devil. You're not going to have to fight with them. You'll just keep that sucker under your feet. Lift both your hands even higher. In Jesus' mighty name, lift your hands to the Lord and just give him thanks out of your mouth. Kutubrata. Dushte bandara. 
Devil's in for a bad year, my friend. The devil is defeated. He's not going to have this generation. They're not going to go around shooting up all the schools. They're going to throw your sorry behind back out into the Atlantic and Pacific Ocean. Go mess with somebody else. I claim America for Jesus Christ. <laughs> I heard a newscaster on CNN say, these people think America is a Christian nation. It's not a Christian nation. I said, give me about three more years and we'll see who's right. Going to run through every one of these cities and heroin soaked countrysides and remind the devil, you're not in charge. 2,000 years ago, Jesus made a show of you, embarrassed you. 2,000 years ago, when he shed his blood, it broke all of your power and it gave us power over all the work of the devil. Can you say amen? amen? Can you say a better amen? amen? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to do two things tonight. Number one, if you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, like all those 2,000, I know it said 2,800, we recounted it, it was 2,798. So like those people there, if you, if you never knew Jesus, I mean, I'm talking about raw dog heathens, Muslim that took her shihada got saved. So whatever you think you're wrapped up in, that it's a big deal. I promise you. We've seen a hundred people worse than you saved every one of those weeks. There's no sin that you've committed that can separate you from God if you'll repent. Repentance is not, I'm sorry I got caught. Or, you know, I, I, I would, it, repentance is, God, I sinned, but I'm not doing that anymore. I give you my sin, and in exchange, I receive your life. And the Bible says, if any man will come to Christ, he will in no wise cast them down. No matter who they are or what they've done, we can all be saved in this same manner. There's no sin that you've committed that the blood of Jesus doesn't cover. And notice this. The blood of Jesus doesn't just forgive your sin. The Bible says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. And, everyone say and. and. To cleanse us of all unrighteousness. God doesn't just forgive you. All the, all the stuff that's in you that drives you to sin, the Lord cleanses it out of you. But you have to make the choice. When it comes to your eternity and your life here on earth, Satan's voted against you. Some of you like those people in that video. Satan voted against you hard. Your dad was gone before you were five or six years old. Your mother was so stressed out trying to run a single family home. She didn't have time to take you to church. Never taught you the Bible. Actually said things the opposite of the Bible. Life's hard. You're going to see when you get older. You know, it was all set up for you to go to hell. But isn't it amazing how God by his grace drew you in here tonight? So you're just like those people in New Jersey. One message is all it takes to tell the devil enough's enough. Satan's voted against you. God voted for you. And you have to cast the deciding ballot. For some of you to stay in your seat is to cast a ballot. No, I'm going to stay in sin. But I know you're not going to do that. If you come forward, that's what Jesus said in Luke 12. If you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father that's in heaven. But if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father that's in heaven. I grew up in church in the era of camouflage altar calls. Everybody close your eyes. Just lift your hand. You don't have to come forward. I see that hand. God sees that hand. 35 years of camouflage altar calls produced a whole generation of camouflage Christians. They go and work at a job for 20 years and nobody even knows they go to church. But that day's over.
People are going to come out of the crowd and say, I don't care what people think. I care what God thinks. And I make my decision tonight. I'm going to serve Jesus Christ for the rest of my life. Hallelujah. If you're here tonight, I mean, I say tonight, it's hard to know where you live. My watch says tonight, but outside it says lunchtime. If you're here tonight and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, two things. Either you've never, maybe you never went to church, never heard anything like this. You just say, I've never been saved. Then you know tonight the Lord is dealing with your heart. This is your night to get rid of sin instead of sin getting rid of you and come to Jesus Christ. And then a second group of people. You once were saved. You used to serve the Lord. I drive by all these churches on my way here that it's vacation Bible school time. Maybe somebody took you to church when you were a kid and you received Jesus or a teenager at a youth group. But in your 20s or 30s, you got derailed. But the Lord used me by his grace tonight to call you. You feel it going right down deep in your spirit. Come to me, my son. Come to me, my daughter. Quit carrying that heavy load. And come to me and let me take it. And I'll give you my life. If you fall into either of those two groups and you say, Jonathan, I need to do that. And I'm not putting it off one more hour. I'm doing it tonight. I want you to quickly put your hand up high and wave it at me. And we're going to pray. I see you. I see you. Keep it up. I know there's more. There's no way everybody in this whole section is there, there. Who else before we pray? You need to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Very quickly, everybody that lifted a hand and meant business with God, just if you're sitting in the middle, just tap the people, they'll let you out. Come right down to the altar right now. If your friend's coming, you can come with your friend. But make tonight the night where you tell the devil goodbye forever. Come right down front. Come as close to the front as you can. In Jesus' name, God bless you. God bless you. Keep clapping. The hands that clap for souls will never be empty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Fifteen more seconds. Who else? God's wrestling with your heart. Come now. Praise the Lord. Come on up. What more? The dam's breaking. The devil loses his hold on you for good. No more alcohol. No more busted relationships. I'm going to pray with you all in just a second. Before I do this, person with the, uh, I can barely see with the lights. You got both your hands up? Just step out into the aisle. Power of God's all over you. Yeah, it's you. Lift both your hands right there. It's fine. Lift them all the way up. Close both eyes. That's the anointing. Like oil being poured over your head. Where God cleans out everything that doesn't belong and then gives you power to serve Him. Here it comes. In Jesus' name. Be filled. There it is. Right through you. That's it. More. 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 You'll never go back to what you don't want to do anymore. You're free. Free? Free. Free at last and free forever. The devil loses his hold on you for good. Man, I feel good. I get feeling like this. I wish ISIS was out in the parking lot waiting for me. 
blow off some steam before I go to hell. Come right up. Every person that came to the altar, I'm going to have you say this prayer after me. You know, ideally, ideally I would just say, well, everybody pray. Some people have never prayed. Like the people in the video, a lot of them never, didn't even know what to say. So I'm going to give you the words to say. But this is not a recital at a Presbyterian church where you're just repeating after me. Make these words your own from your heart to God. And God hears this prayer. And there's no further prayer required when you pray this. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old life is dead. So everything that's with the old life dies when you pray this prayer. And then all things are made new. It's a pretty, pretty good deal. Lift both hands to the Lord. And say this out loud from the bottom of your heart. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I've come forward tonight to give you my life. Forgive me of all my sins. Wash me in your blood. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth, Jesus Christ is King of kings, Lord of lords, and my Savior. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Fill me with your power. Everywhere I'm weak, I receive your overflowing strength. In Jesus' name. Say this so every devil can hear you. Say, I am saved. I'm no longer the property of sin. I am a child of God. God is my father. Jesus is my brother. Heaven is my home. And the devil's no relation at all. I will not turn back. In Jesus' name. Keep your hands lifted. Let me pray for you. Father, every person I'm looking at at this altar, when we stand before you, let not one of them be missing. Every person that prayed that prayer with me, let there be nothing the enemy can concoct that would draw them back to their old life. Let the power of God increase on the inside of them from this day forward to make good on their commitment. Not in their own strength, but with your strength. In Jesus' name. Hermano, hermano, vamano, por favor. Lift both your hands to the Lord. No more being sad. God's going to take all your sadness away and fill you with joy. So, so if I catch you frowning from after I lay hands on you, I'm going to, I'm going to put a, a sticker on your chart. If you get enough stickers, you'll get detention. Lift both hands. There, that's the joy of the Lord. You can't stay sad around me. It's impossible. I curse that spirit. It'll never come back. Put your hand on your belly. Welcome to the family of God. Your sins are all forgiven. Lift both your hands. New bloodstream and a miracle for your body. Fill 
In Jesus' mighty name. <laughs> I can see in the spirits CNN having to do a special of high school students all laid out under the power on their campus because they can keep a preacher out but they can't stop the Holy Ghost going in one of those kids and the kids just getting enough residue from the night before to wreck the whole school the devil's not going to have the last laugh the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to have the last laugh before we get on out of here can you say amen chemical that's in your body, come out right now. Come out. Jesus, mighty name. Do it. Save you a lot of money serving the Lord, you know. No Kennedy Crisis Center, no methadone clinic. Just get the whole thing. This guy here in the black shirt, Looks like you could beat the, the poo out of me if you wanted to. Just come out into the aisle. Lift both your hands right there. For today, says the Lord, as you were hearing my word, it was like a fire was coming in your spirit. You're like, man, I'd like to do that. God's putting his hand on you right now and setting you apart for a special work by the anointing. I feel like, and I'm not saying this to puff myself up, but I feel like when you heard me preach, you thought, oh, you don't have to be like polished to preach. I can do that. And that's what God wants. He wants rough preachers that just give the devil a hard time. I'm going to tell you, as today, as the Lord, as it's like a fresh burden came in your spirit for your people, and we were watching those videos, and you were thinking, man, I know a lot of people that are bound like that. God put his compassion in you for those people. But compassion without the power to do anything about the people's problem is just frustrating. So the Lord now gives you his power to set them free. When you lay your hands on the people, God will set them free. Praise the Lord. You'll never be the same. Hallelujah. Well, all the people that are at the altar, welcome to the family of God. You're more, you're as saved as I am. Lift this hand to the Lord. Give me this hand. Watch how easy the Lord does this. All through your organs of your body, kidney, pancreas, like, Instead of praying for 13 things, I'm just going to tell you the Lord's going to give you an overhaul. In Jesus' name. All damage that's been done to your body, the Lord reverses it right now. Be filled. Put this hand where your lungs and heart are. New lungs, new heart. In Jesus' name. Be whole. Jesus' mighty name. There. Enjoy. Here's what we're going to do. 
everybody that's down front of the altar, they're going to get, think of this. My daughter is five years old. When she was born, she was born perfectly healthy. She's still perfectly healthy. But when she was born, as healthy as she was, if I had to just put her in a room and said, good luck, Camila, she'd be dead in like seven days at tops. So you're born again, but you're, you're a baby Christian. And God, God, God didn't ordain it for you to just struggle through and find your own way. The Bible says God will appoint pastors who will shepherd over your souls, his flock. Anytime you hear people bash pastors, it's a demon talk. I don't need a church. Church is built by man. You know, that's a demon. Because God instituted the church and God instituted pastors. I preach about 320 times a year or so. Maybe a little more. And any Sunday I'm home that I'm not preaching, I'm in church. Any Sunday that I'm not home, that I'm not preaching. I go on Google and find a full gospel church. And I'm there. Sunday is the Lord's Day. When I'm on vacation, I go to church. I don't take a vacation from my covenant. Ever. I know where a good church is by any resort in the world. Amen. So this is the church to get plugged into. Because this is no day and age to go wandering around looking for a church. Half of them are, are nuts. Amen. on you. Now remember, you're, you're different now. So the devil used to have access to you, now he doesn't. Because if you're God's child, so lift both hands, I'm going to pray. And then as I pray for you, wherever your brother is, God's going to set him free too. Joseph Lopez. Jesus' name. Anyway, everybody that's at the altar, who, you, you taking everybody? See this nice gentleman? One of the, some of the churches, the person they have take you to the back, it's like, I, I'm not even sure I'd go with him. But this guy's a nice guy, dressed nice. He doesn't look like a kidnapper, so you go to the back with him, and they're going to get you hooked up, and then we'll have you come right back in. It won't take long. So follow him. Give them a hand clap as they go back there. Hey. Come on, give Jesus a big, big hand clap.